1: Welcome to the Chronic Podcast with host Ralph Malbro and featuring bloggers Andrew Juge of the SaintsNation.com, Kevin hell of the Team Drops the Ball, and Dave Cariello of Canal Street Chronicles. This podcast is nothing but serious football talk and hardcore analysis.
2: Besides the Saints winning, the most important thing to us is making the jokes. I think I might
0: have IBS. <laughs> <laughs> There were fewer stories for me to write about the team behind the scenes. Now, with Rob Ryan, that potential has returned because he's essentially Jeremy Shockey at 50.
3: He's really George
1: Costanza ish. Oh, it is. I'm
3: didn't say he had a house in the Hamptons.
1: Now, here's your host, Ralph Moutro. All
2: right, before I get to the knuckleheads of Andrew. Kevin and Dave, uh, Xander Phillips from uh, Bucks Nation has been kind enough to join us. Uh, he's a blogger for SB Nation covering the Tampa Bay Bucks. Xander, thanks for joining us. Um, my first question to you is: I thought Greg Schiano was supposed to be a disciplined, hard-ass coach, and the Bucks for the last half a season and yesterday looked like a bunch of undisciplined clowns.
4: Yeah, that's what we all thought too, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he, he kicked out a bunch of players to, to get them all disciplined, like Callan Winslow, who incidentally kind of destroyed us uh, on Sunday. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, I don't know what's happening. Uh, the discipline is still there, I guess. Um, he kind of went a little softer this year, saying that the players had to police themselves, and et cetera, things like that sounded pretty sensible but it didn't really work out that way at least not in the first game yeah and the the interesting thing with the box
2: and is josh freeman and and the reason i find him interesting sander is because a lot of young quarterbacks they come in and sometimes they'll be protected like mark sanchez was the jets went to the two nfc championships games but they had a great defense and they had a good running game and they sort of protected them and even as they were winning there was this feeling especially his second year that he's not getting any better. But Josh Freeman's he's been completely different. I mean, he went 10 and 6, he had the great year and it it really felt like he struggled at the end of raheem Morris, but he came on last year and you guys were 6 and 4 and he was looking good and y'all had I think it was 4 or 5 games you had one in a row. He was looking great. And the end of last year, he said he just has fallen apart. He looks shaky in the pocket, the accuracy's gone. I found it very strange that a quarterback can beat, can can make so much progress
4: and then have it all fall apart. What's going on with Josh Freeman? Yeah, it's been it's been it's been weird. That's the best word I guess. Um, I think that it was kind of a mirage last season, like the mid-season uh, throwing throwing the ball all over the field. Because you could still see a lot of the issues that happened at the end of the season too, which was just, he was really inconsistent with his accuracy throughout the season. And it, it was worse at the end of the year and he really did regress there. But it wasn't as big of a collapse as, as maybe you, you would have th- thought.
2: <clears throat> yeah, and um, with the Bucks, I know you guys invested a bunch um, in the offensive line. Of course, the, the trainer facility, unfortunately, is like has the Black Plague or something, and Carl Nix got it and another, I think another player got it as well. Um, if this offensive line, if Carl Nix doesn't come back to the form that he showed with the Saints and Penn doesn't get all the way back, how will the Bucs be able to overcome that?
4: Uh, that's a really good question. They <laughs> could not run the ball at all against, uh, against the uh, the New York Jets. Uh, Davin Joseph, not not Penn, but Davin Joseph was the, was the injured guy. He didn't look like he, he could completely trust his knee. He was on the ground a little too much. Gabe Karimi was filling in for Carl Nix at left guard and was a disaster. <laughs> so that was fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's, that is going to have to improve. And I think it will. I mean, the Bucks do have a really good offensive line coach. Their offensive line held up well last season, despite missing both Carl Nix and Davin Joseph for most of the year, uh, starting. Well, basically, backups who weren't too good. So I'm hoping it was a a one week blip, uh blip and it'll get better.
2: Yeah, and with you guys, your front your front four, or even your front seven, has been, I think it it has the potential to be really really good. What did you see against the Jets that makes you think the front seven, or even maybe the entire defense, can be? Really good, or maybe even possibly better, be something special.
4: I think this defense can be really special. I mean, an interesting stat was that uh, the Buccaneers had uh, one disastrous and avoidable defensive penalty on every single scoring drive with the Jets. And if they do not have those penalties, the Jets score three offensive points three all game. Mm-hmm. So I think the defense did pretty good. They had five sacks. They had two turnovers. Uh, they held the Jets to I think it was four yards per play or something. So generally they looked good. Darrell Revis looked healthy. Uh, the front seven looked pretty good, not dominant but pretty good. So overall I'm pretty pretty satisfied with the defense.
2: Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, to me, if if Rivas Revis is even 80 to 90 percent of what he was—that changes everything. Because he's one of those guys. I mean, there's only a handful on defense, the J.J. Watts and that sort of player, where if he's 100 percent, he changes everything about your defense. How did he look yesterday to you? I know it's hard to judge because the Jets, Geno Smith and their wide receivers don't necessarily strike the fear of
4: God into anybody. But how did how did Rivas look particularly? He looked, to me, he looked uh, completely healthy. Um, his conditioning needs to get better because he played, I think, 70% of the snaps. So that's not, uh, that's not 100%, but it'll get better because it's the first game he's played. He did not play in preseason. But he looked healthy. They gave him the first series. They played some, uh, some zone coverage and gave him an easy job. Second series, they put him on the third receiver. He, he broke up two slant passes. Uh, third series, they put him on Santonio Holmes, and he shot him down all game long.
2: So that so that's a good sign. And in the offense, the the skill positions besides Doug Martin, how the wide receivers look like they were doing doing some business Vincent Jackson and Mike Williams. If Mike Williams is in he looked like he might have been injured significantly, I think. If how
4: are the receivers looking going into the Saints game, do you think? Uh, well, Mike Williams, well, he looked healthy again at the end of the game. He had a little mm. hip scare by the middle, but he came in back in pretty quickly. So I don't think that'll be an issue. But the biggest issue is that, that the Bucks don't have any receiving we- weapons beyond Vincent Jackson and Mike Williams. They mm. do not have a tight end. They do not have a third receiver capable of winning any battle because Kevin Ogletree was invisible all game long. Um, and even Doug Martin uh, dropped a couple of passes.
1: Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
4: Isolation routes to, to Vincent Jackson and to Mike Williams. They try to put Vincent Jackson in the slot a little, like Marcus Colston, to, uh, to exploit the middle of the field. But not having a third receiving option is going to be a big problem this year. Um,
2: why is Kevin Ogletree, even on this team, I know some of the, some of the guys at your blog have been asking the same question. Um, is, is, this rec- is this receiving core, in, in, your, in your mind, is it so subpar that it's holding Josh Freeman back?
4: Um, I don't know about that because Vincent Jackson and Mike Williams, they're both really good, right? They, they make him look pretty good in general, but yeah, I mean, if you, if you don't have a tight end and if you don't have a good slot receiver, you can't attack the middle of the field. And that's, that's a big issue for any uh, quarterback. And that's a problem for uh, Josh Freeman right now too.
2: Um, you know, how, how much pressure is on even though it's only the second year, how much pressure is, do you think is on Chiano and Mark Dominic to sort of turn this thing around and get the bucks to at least eight and eight, nine and seven? Are they in, are they in danger of losing their jobs if the bucks don't get to
4: a certain win total? I think there's a danger there I don't know if if there's like a hard and fast uh, limit of wins they have to reach. I think they have to get the team progressing get the team playing well uh to keep their jobs. Ciano is probably a little safer than mark Dominic It's just Ciano's second year on the job and it's Dominic's fifth if I'm correct mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but they could lose it if 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 it collapses they're both gone it's It is that simple like like it did uh Two years ago with Rui Morris when they lost 10 games in a row. If that happens again, well, I mean, no one's keeping their jobs then.
2: Yeah, it, and, you know, when you look at th- this, this game against the Saints with the Patriots coming up the following week, you know, you hate to get into this must win week two, but... There's a huge stat that if you go 0 2, your chances of making the playoffs decrease, and 0 and 3, it's almost a death sentence. So, with all the, you know, you interact with all the Bucks fans and all that. What's the feeling with this Saints game? Do you, do you guys feel like this is this is a must-have game, and 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 if it, if they don't get to 1 and 1, that the season could be quickly in peril?
4: Uh, I think the season's there, right? That that feeling is there, but well, it's it's the day after a, a really <laughs> really frustrating loss to a pretty bad opponent, so you know that that feeling's going to be there. I don't know if I'd say that it's a real must-win game, but yeah, it's going to be really tough if they don't start racking up some wins quickly. And well, that's true for every NFL team, of course.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, you obviously got to get get winning eventually, is. As you look at this game, as you look at this game Sunday, and you look at the struggles that Tampa had last year against the Saints uh, in the forty-one nothing loss, but even earlier in the year they 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 struggled to stop the Saints throwing the ball. The Saints sort of threw the ball almost at will against Tampa. When you look at the game Sunday, what's a what's a key for Tampa on on defense to sort of slow the Saints down, in your opinion?
4: Uh, the pressure of the quarterback. It's always pressure of the quarterback, and they'll do that. They'll try to do that against uh, Breeze. Uh, hopefully, they'll lay off the, the, the defensive line stunts a bit, which, which slow down the rush. Gerald McCoy looks great again. He should, but he's going up against two really good guards, so I don't know if he can do much damage. Well, the guards for the, the Saints look, look pretty bad against
2: Atlanta. I'm not going to lie.
4: Okay, I haven't watched the game yet. So that's a surprise and, and that's well, that's a positive for the Bucs then. Mm-hmm. But I think the real key for the game will be whether Adrian Claiborne can get uh, some pressure on the edge. You mm-hmm. know, uh two years ago when uh, the Bucks uh beat the Saints early in the game early in the year, if I recall correctly. I mean the key's always been that when that happened, uh, the Bucs got an edge rush yeah. and beat your offensive tackles. That's that's how they've beaten the Saints in the past. And I think that's going to be the key again. Yeah, with I quarterback
2: mean, with four. yeah, I mean that's always sort of a key with the Saints. If you can get the pressure from the edge and you can at least not lose the point of attack in the middle. Yeah. Drew Brees has nowhere to slide to and then his size becomes a disadvantage and he can't find his lanes and, and, yeah. and you get tipped balls and different things. Um, on offense for the Bucks, if if they can't run the ball against the Saints – in your opinion, is Josh Freeman good enough at this particular moment to throw it 35 times, throw it 40 times, and
4: beat the Saints through the air? Um, if he has a good game, he could be. I mean, the, the issue with Freeman is that he's inconsistent. So he has streaks where he looks great, and he has streaks where he looks really bad. And if he if he can avoid those later streaks, he'll be fine. But there's not a huge chance of that happening. So if they can't get a running game going, um either the Saints defense is going to have to be really bad or Josh Freeman is going to have to have one of his somewhat rare but uh s- still occasional occasionally occurring good days.
2: Before before I get a prediction from you, um is Josh Freeman how much of a thin ice is he on <coughs> with Greg Schiano? I mean is 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 there, a, is there is there a point rapidly approaching where Mike Glennon could be a possibility?
4: I don't think so. I don't get that sense. I don't think anyone's getting that sense. But if he plays badly and if he doesn't, uh, and if he then continues to play badly, he could be benched because Sienna's job is on the line. And if he does not think that Josh Freeman is the guy to win him games, Glennon will get the start. The issue is we have no clue how far along Mike Lennon is in understanding the playbook in running the offense or whether he would even remotely be a better option than Josh Freeman at any point this year.
2: <laughs> well, you know, it, the thing is though, when, when, if, if a coach feels the pressure to do something, yeah. it could be, you know, and Josh Freeman is not really Greg Shiano's guy. Josh nope. Freeman was really Raheem Morris's guy. So it's just, it's just a question that I have. You're obviously closer to them, but before I let you get out of here, uh, Xander, and get, before you give me a game prediction, tell the people how they can find you on Twitter if they want to follow Bucks and know the updates and, and have you know we all like to be on Twitter during game day. So how do they follow you on Twitter? Yeah, you can
4: you can follow me at at Bucks underscore Nation. The underscore is important. <laughs> <laughs> people get that wrong a lot. Oh, no, it's just that simple. At Bucks underscore Nation.
2: Okay, and give me a prediction for how you think um, Sunday is going to go.
4: Um, I think the Saints win in probably surprisingly close, low-scoring game. So I'd say 20 to 17 for the Saints.
2: That's inter- That's that's an interesting pick, Xander. Because I, to me, if if it's low-scoring, then that sort of means Tampa. You guys will have the game sort of played at the tempo and the style that you want it at. And you're saying that's going to happen, but they're still going to lose. That's that's an interesting that's an interesting pick. I, I would say I would say if it's if it's low scoring, that it would be much much it would be almost I'd be I'd be stunned if the Saints would score less than 21 points and win. But that's an interesting that's an
4: interesting pick by you, Xander. Uh, that, that, that's a good point, and I I don't know if that's mm-hmm. what will happen. I just get the sense that the Bucks defense could be really good, and I get the sense that the Bucks offense. <laughs> is really struggling right now. So, just that, that just makes sense, right? Okay. Well,
2: Xander, thanks so much for giving us time. People, uh, go to Bucks Nation. The Saints play them twice a year. It's an SB Nation blog, just like Canal Street Chronicles. Go there, read his stuff. They are really strong, opinionated. I was reading their stuff today. It's great. Xander, uh, thanks for giving us time, and we'll talk to you down the road. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, folks, uh, Ralph doubted me when I said that the Saints – when I predicted that the Saints would hold the Falcons to uh, less than uh, 17, 17 or less. And Ralph said – Ralph said, what did Ralph say? Uh, I, believe, I believe we have tape of that, so why don't we just roll that beautiful bean footage?
2: <laughs> Kevin, if this defense – Holds Atlanta to under 17. You just you you pick the song and I'll open the podcast singing it.
1: Everybody get up! Everybody get up! Hey hey hey!
2: Hey hey hey! If you can't hear what I'm trying to say, if you can't read from the same page, maybe I'm going deaf. Maybe I'm going blind. Maybe I'm out of my, my
1: mind. Alright, the
2: FCC makes it stop because it's a crime against humanity.
1: Baby, I'm going out of my mind.
2: Alright, Kevin, uh, you should be really proud of yourself because you please just made. Please don't made, let that happen ever again. Because <laughs> you just Your made. The people... in the background probably screaming, oh, Dios mío! <laughs> she was. She was, and she's not happy. She, she actually. The left...
5: papers have already been
2: filed. <laughs> the, the, t- <laughs> the two cats were like shaking looking at me. Like I was giving him a seizure. Um, Mr. Held, you pulled the prediction out of your ass that I thought was insanity, and it came to pass. Uh, But deep down, how surprised were you that the Saints held Atlanta to
0: 17 points? Uh, Very. Very. Just, again, based based on that first quarter uh, and based on just – you know, it just seemed at, at random times like, oh, fuck, they found an open guy. He's wide open. It, what, what the fuck is going on? I feel like I'm watching the last year and, you know, the, the, the way that the – shit, the way that That's the final it's drive Kevin, worked out just made me have flashbacks.
2: Yeah. Wouldn't be a podcast if Kevin didn't wash his hands.
0: <laughs> Which reminds me, if you like to hear the audio in crystal clear sound,
2: donate what you can.
0: Yeah, if you like to hear Ralph murder the uh, the top forty, <laughs> donate. The number one song in the world right now. Yes yeah, the, the song By the way, I'm
2: looking
5: I'm looking at Atlanta's season last year and they never scored less than seventeen points all season, with the exception of their final game against the tampa bay buccaneers in which they scored 17 points and they may have even at that point they were 12 they were 13 and 2
2: and so they didn't they give a have, game, really i don't think the starters played the second half of that
5: yeah game. so i mean theoretically this the fact that the saints held the falcons which as far as their offense is concerned is pretty much the same team if not a little bit better if you
2: consider Steven well the Jackson. line's different though The
5: the line is definitely different. But the point being is that the Saints holding the Falcons to 17 points, um, that was never really done at all against the Falcons last season. So uh, I think that puts things a little bit more into perspective there.
2: Yeah, I mean, the thing that – I mean, Roddy White not playing or he was a decoy had a a big effect. But, Kevin, the thing that was so sort of surprising to me – was that the Saints – you know, Rob Ryan had said all off season, you know, the run defense was terrible. And he didn't come flat out and said it, but he said it in so many words. It was Spagnola's fault. I can fix it. And whenever Atlanta was in like two tight ends or had a fullback, the Saints were, would roll into – I don't know what you call it. But they would basically shift their coverage and they would have one safety and they would put like eight guys in the box. They were like, Atlanta, you're not running. So – in your mind, is it sustainable? Because to me, of everything the defense did, it's the, the most important thing that I want them to be able to carry over from week to week. And did it? do you think, hey, this is going to last or it's a product of the crowd and Atlanta struggle, struggles with their offensive
0: line? <laughs> I'm going to go with my classic Kevin, a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. Um yeah, I it I look at it as as the 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 week one uh, week one thing the fact that the Saints seem to have their number and 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 here's here was another prediction that I had made in the in the pregame show uh that we never got not a I never got around to pat myself on the back about is I just said you know they you know uh Steve Gleason shows if Steve Gleason shows up it's gonna be Utter insanity, and those Falcons players are going to probably wet themselves. Now, it didn't end up being a blowout, but I, I I don't think you can discount the the emotion of all that stuff. I can't believe I'm actually trying to use that <laughs> as a reason, but God, I sound like fucking Prisco. Um, <laughs> Prisco! But... but um, yeah, I, I, I that that can't be discounted, and I think it was it, it's a little bit of Rob Ryan's scheme, but I think it was the situation, and I look forward to seeing how the defense moves going forward. Um, the injuries that that happened—that's that—I mean, that's that, thats what's got me nervous going forward. I mean, yeah, it was great that we were able to rely on these guys and and things sort of worked out in the end, but it was still by a skin of their teeth thing if 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 i can be you know real for a second
2: yeah i mean dave that's the thing with the injuries with uh, of all the guys that got nicked patrick if i said dave patrick robinson bunkley and walker which one do you want back first of those three guys
5: probably bunkley probably bunkley to be honest with you um you know he's he's not great by any means and i certainly like what tyron walker has done uh early on here but um bunkley's just he's a veteran he's got experience um so i I think i'd i'd like to see him back first but if i uh if i could have my way i'd like to have them all back can we bring them all back please that'd be great thanks
2: thanks for andrew for finally joining us uh and you missed me just crushing blurred lines. I sang it like uh, – I
5: wouldn't I wouldn't say he missed
2: anything. I would say missed a lot. His ears are probably still fully functioning and not bleeding like you twos are. Uh, Andrew, you were pretty pumped in the postgame show yesterday and we lost him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> by,
5: by the way, I think um, having Sean Payton go out there with Steve Gleason uh, I think was a genius move because – you know, they, they would never have Sean Payton go out there by himself to lead the Huda chant. I just don't think that the organization would do that. I think they they might view that as a little tacky and and as more of a direct slap in the face of Goodell and the NFL um in response to Bountygate. But having mm-hmm. him go out there with Steve Gleason to sort of hold Steve's hand and do it uh and do it together was a nice way to get Gleason oh. and uh, yeah. and and Payton out there together to get that you know to get the crowd doubly amped up uh so i thought that was that was pretty genius
2: it was it was i because it was. they could have easily
5: had like fujita out there you know gleason's best friend yeah or somebody like that but they went with peyton because they knew they wanted peyton out there too
2: yeah and i barely made my seat for that because i was out yeah me- me too. I, I was out meeting dave for the first time uh so we do have andrew andrew's back uh andrew that- you were You were pumped about the game yesterday, as we all were. I did the big Rob Ryan chart of fun, and the Saints Ah. hit 8 of 9 of the rankings that we had. And the thing that was most surprising was on first down run, they gave up only 2.28 yards per carry. I know you haven't posted your defensive rankings yet, but have you got a chance to look at it? And even if you haven't... What stood out on the defensive line for you yesterday besides just the pass rush?
3: Uh, I I mean, I think Jenkins was instrumental. I mean, when I watched it, uh, I really thought that he was clogging middle extremely well. He was taking on double teams. Um, He's just a big dude. He eats a lot of space, and everything was kind of falling in place from there. So I, I was really impressed with him. Uh, I thought the linebackers tackled really well, and they did a really good job of tackling together. Um, So, you know, gang tackling, and, you know, the first man would get a hit to slow the runner down. Um, I'll be honest, I was not that impressed by Steven Jackson. I mean, I think he's a more versatile player than Michael Turner, but like Michael Turner, um, I, I just think he's lost that burst of speed, and because of it, I think his power ability is less of a factor.
2: Yeah, um... That, he had you know they he didn't look he didn't look like the Steven Jackson i remember from even two years ago with the Rams he just he just doesn't look he doesn't look as he just doesn't look as good um in your opinion can Jenkins if if bunkley's out for an extended period of time can Jenkins hold up with a bigger workload i don't know that's that's
3: the <laughs> ultimate question is he good enough to play well in spots I mean, we've already seen it. So as far as I'm concerned, he can go in there and he can play above average, uh, even better than Bunkley in spots and give the Saints quality NFL quality nose tackle play. Um, Now, I I don't think the Saints are going to be able to handle him being the full time nose tackle. I, I just, he's a rookie. He's not used to 16 games. He's not used to life in the NFL. I mean, even if he was in great shape, you know, even if he was a running back that was lean and in amazing shape, I would have my question uh, based on lack of experience. But when you add the whole 350-pound factor, um, I, I just think that's a guy that while he's making an impact already, you've got to groom him slowly, you know, and, and he, can't, he can't be playing 85% of plays. So if Funkley's out for any length of time, they at least need to get a nose tackle that can come in and fill him.
2: And Dave gave an injury report yesterday on the podcast where he said that Bunkley, of all the, the injured guys, Dave, you thought he looked the worst going to the locker room. Besides, well, Walker, they carted off. but Yeah, I mean,
5: I, I, I'm i not saying he looked – I'm not saying anybody looked any worse than anybody else. I mean Tyron Walker needed to be carted off as opposed to Bunkley who could walk off. But it was just the fact that Bunkley was just had to walk so slowly and had to – um, think about every step and, and take one step at a time. Uh, I mean, he just looked like he was really in pain, and uh, you know, and it, you know, whatever. After the game, he was, I, I believe, in a walking boot and, and on crutches. So, uh, who knows? I mean, you know, I, I, I always think about injuries, and I always think about that time Courtney Roby had to be like mobilized, uh, immobilized, and like brought out on a stretcher in an ambulance. And then he wound up playing the next week. <laughs>
2: uh,
5: I don't know if you guys remember that. Yeah, I do. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, who the hell knows, you know, what can happen? It's always amazing sometimes, these guys and what, they, what they're capable of.
3: Yeah, I mean, honestly, some, sometimes a partial tear or a bone break can be a lot more painful than a tear. So, I mean, you
2: don't know. Kevin, Kevin. If, Kevin. if I said to you... <laughs> Curtis Lawson going to be the most consistent linebacker the Saints are going to have in 2013.
5: Which but, should be the case.
2: Should be the yeah, case. But, but But Parles Harrelson that they got like five minutes ago is going to be the second best. Would you take that bet?
0: Sure, why not? <laughs> I say that with absolutely no evidence or nothing really to back that up, but sure. Well, you know, sure. because you can have because a sack. Look, because look, the Saints <laughs> need to be vindicated in a trade like this at some point. We need we need to be able to show that hey, we can actually get something for a 7th round pick. this is these are the kinds of these are the kinds of stupid little moves that super bowl champions make or or that teams that are very successful make and that you know that the media types well the, the media types that are in the know and that like to actually point these things like this out say oh this was amazing that they made this trade oh this was phenomenal you know like it, it's the kind of thing that they talk about at uh, in week 2 of uh, of Super Bowl week when they're bored to death uh, and and they can't they can't they can't uh, finagle any more celebrity well, interviews or they can't get Joe Montana or Bo Jackson to come out and do interviews anymore because they've already hocked their uh, their visa uh, <laughs> contest that they're already done hocking and and they've got no more uh, money to make from that so they have to actually look really in depth for something and if a player as then as long as a player doesn't say something stupid about homosexuals. I'm looking in gonna your happen? direction, San Francisco. Oh, yeah. uh, as long as something like that doesn't happen, and they actually have to look at the mundane bullshit. And this is the kind of thing that'll come up for a team that's going to the Super Bowl where it's like, man, the Saints, boy, the Saints really got great value out of that trade. They only gave up a seventh rounder. Paris and he's got, he's got five sacks, and he's had like 12 passes defensed or something. I don't know, and he... Bit off Matt Ryan's face in the second game <laughs> of the season. I'm surprised Goodell only suspended him for two games, but hey.
5: Oh, those bath salts.
0: Exactly. <sighs>
2: oh, um, speaking of players a little bit dirty and maybe eventually getting a suspension. Not this the, week, of Kenny course. Vaccaro? But, Kenny Vaccaro. Yeah, Kenny. Uh, Dave, that's a good segue. Kenny Thomas. Vaccaro. He's kind of borderline dirty, annoying. Um, I like it. I like it a lot. But will you like it when he rains yes. a fifteen? 15- when he rains a fifteen-yard flag in the yes. second half, you'll yes. still like it. As long
5: as he broke somebody's leg doing it, then yes.
0: <laughs> and here's where Dave turns heel.
5: <laughs> no, I mean I'm just I'm I'm only slightly joking in that I you know I don't want injury somebody to get injured, but uh, but
2: if they did, I'd <laughs> want him to break a leg.
5: <laughs> no, um, but I you know what I'm trying to say is that. I think that this defense needs a little toughness. They need somebody like that. I mean, you know, people hate James Harrison. Well, because he's a damn good player. Uh, if people hate Vaccaro, um, a fa- a po- fans of opposing teams I'm referring to here, I guess. Um, but if other, if everybody that's not a Saints fan uh, doesn't like Vaccaro, I would say that means he's doing something right. But, I mean, I just think the Saints need a little grit, you know, whatever, it, it, if, I, I, I feel like having a guy who, who plays that way, it comes with flags or penalties and suspensions, and that's just, I think you just take that, you take the bad with uh, with all the good. And I think in the long run, I think a guy like that is is good for your team and your, for your defense.
3: Look, Ralph, I'm going to lay it real simple for
5: you. <laughs>
3: would you rather, would you rather, the worst defense in NFL history, coupled with quarterback rookie RJ Three calling you classy, hey, people are getting yards at will on you. Really? But at least you're classy. At least you're classy. Or would you prefer a defense that runs a bounty program but you win a Super Bowl? Well,
2: Which one are you gonna pick? I want I bounty want the bounty
5: program, please.
2: I want the bounty program, but I'm saying what I'm saying, though, Andrew, is you say that now, but say Sunday at 6:20, when Vaccaro had two personal fouls in the fourth quarter and one of them extended a drive that let Tampa kick the game-winning field goal, are you still gonna give me this? two options, or are you going to be yeah, so filled with rage with Vaccaro that you won't remember this conversation we're having now?
0: Remember, that's we're being I'm recorded, asking. Andrew. We are yeah,
5: being I, recorded. We do record. I got to admit, I would be pissed.
2: Offense,
3: offense has got to be played with d- discipline. Defense has got to be played with aggressiveness.
2: Fuck it. Let's go and, and, and sue on people. <laughs> well, the, there's a there there's a there's there is there is eventual there is a line eventually that you cross over where it's aggressive and nasty and bounty program and you win a Super Bowl to flat out stupidity, and the Lions are way across that line at least for the last year or so. Um,
0: I like that Andrew. The- I like that Andrew is and going full on and high and lean, feedering yeah. on the edge. Mm-hmm.
5: Teetering on the edge. Okay, I, I I agree with that. That's a good way to put it. I think they they need to be right on that line.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's an interesting point. I mean I I love Vicaro and I love the fact that on the in the at the end of the game, Rob Ryan was playing up four safeties.
5: Yeah. You know. Yeah. Apparently they were making shit up during the <laughs> game. I don't know if you read that. And so, well, I, I, don't, I, I don't think Vaccaro
3: was really a, a true safety in this game. I mean, he was he, – you know, they talked about him being a hybrid player in the off-season, and his responsibility was Tony Gonzalez almost the whole game. So you can call him a safety if you want, but he was really more of a rover position assigned to one player. And that it, it kind of worked. I mean, that, that was the game plan all along for the Saints. So, uh, you know, if they had two safeties, one safety, or three – uh, besides that, in the game, Vaccaro was kind of more like a linebacker.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, we all keep in mind,
5: this was his first fucking game, people. You know, it's like Pretty there, we have no idea what direction it's gonna it's going to go in, but whatever direction it goes in, it's either going to get significantly better or significantly worse. Well, uh, that... Well, the thing I, 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 I just feel like I feel like the longer he plays, he's gonna be, you know, he, he's he's gonna learn a lot of things, and he's gonna have a lot more experience under his belt, obviously, and I think that uh, I think that's only gonna help him. I, I think we're have yet to see how good he's gonna be.
2: Well, you talked about that they were making shit. and Rob Ryan was just making deep shit up as the game yeah. went along. <laughs> Did well, that, you read that article? No, I haven't. I haven't read that article. But it, ma- but it makes perfect sense because. Andrew, you watch film of defenses, and you know zones and fires and all that bullshit. What the fuck was that defense at the last play of the game for Atlanta? I, it, it was two linemen lined up in the I formation and nine guys standing around.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, it was basically saying, we're, we're going to rush these two guys, and you have no idea what the nine other guys on the field are going to do. And uh, I, I kind of liked it. You know, I love it. It it it, it was one of those things where Atlanta couldn't, in the right mind, run the football there. I mean, I think the Saints knew they were throwing, and the the beauty of a play like that is the amount of yards you they they can't beat you over the top. It's very limited um, yards that they can gain on that play. So it's the perfect it's the perfect lineup to kind of play bracket (laughs) defense um, at the goal line, and that's exactly what they did, and so. When you stand that many guys up, the quarterback's got no
2: idea where the pressure's coming from. Kevin, when Rob Ryan makes up defenses on the fly, do you think he names them after his favorite stripper or his favorite beer?
0: <laughs> so, are you imp- are you implying that Rob that Rob Ryan has defenses named Schlitz and Steel and Paps?
5: No. Let me tell you something. It would be, I know what it would be. It would be called Rolling Rock because. I don't know if you read that other article. No. But apparently, um, Sunday night after the game, he went to Miss Mays. And of course he did. I swear of to you. Of I, course I, I, he I, did. I shit you not. He went to Miss Mays. This is from uh, from the NOLA Defender. Uh, he went to Miss Mays. Apparently, dropped down like a hundred and was like, by everybody around." Everybody like freaked out. clapped. Like he had a rolling like like he drinks Rolling Rock. The bartender was like, "Yeah, it's cool." He's just so down to earth he drinks the cheapest beer we have.
0: Oh
6: <laughs> anyway, really, dude?
5: Yeah, but he's like a – I mean I fucking love that he went to Miss Mays, a place that I have frequented many, many, many times. Ooh, Miss Mays. You know, the Kevin, this confirms
2: hey, but Rock, man. Come on. This confirms huh? that, that Drew McCaze. Ma- this confirms that Drew McGarry, just... when he writes about Rob Ryan, it's not a it's no longer a parody. It's just No, he's
5: he he is he he is like an actual like cartoon character he he like all everything that you think about Rob Ryan is actually true it's very it's hilarious it's hilarious god i wish i had a gif of him falling on the fucking sidelines in the last fucking game yeah we need to we
2: god, we need to start, get that fight. we need to start the gif campaign to get lsu freak to do something with rob ryan put him in a, mo- yeah. a movie or something we need to think of it um, there's a guy there's a
3: guy I know that wants that really a really smart man, genius actually. Uh, that called Rob Ryan Jeremy Shockey at 50.
2: He did. It's one of our opens that we play quite frank quite quite regularly.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh
0: S G seven. Yeah, are, oh no, no, I I, I th- that I did remember because I you you threw me at first. You were saying a very smart guy, and I was like, Okay, well who's this gonna lead into? <laughs> he said, "Jeremy, Shocky 15. I was like, "Oh, that's me." Well, he clearly misdiagnosed me. <laughs> Andrew, you
2: had you said in your player grades that Kenny Stills, even though Drew Brees didn't, he, he was open. You know, he underthrew him, and he he didn't connect as many times as he could have with Kenny Stills on bombs. He did hit one, and you said it, bombs it almost bombs no, on bombs. It doesn't even matter. If Drew Brees connected, because teams see the film and they're like, "Oh my God, we gotta, we gotta, we we can't single cover him on the outside." How soon does that take effect? Do we start seeing that? Did we start seeing the fruits of that this week, or does that take a couple weeks? You think to start to start rearing its head?
3: Um, I think when teams are viewing the film, they, they see that the Saints went up up top to the stills three times in that game. Um, so I think they're recognizing that they need to at least pay closer attention to it now, but um, I think realistically he's going to have to do it a little bit more consistently for, for things that really open up for the offense. But uh you saw it last year. I mean, it, it took Joe Morgan a few games to really turn it up um, last year. And, you know, at 0 and 4 after 0 and 4, you kind of saw what happened um, when he started to make plays. Uh, things really changed for the offense. You know, when he, when he was healthy and he started playing better and he started catching balls, um, you saw what opened up for the offense underneath. And, uh, so the quicker he can make those plays and the quicker he can make an impact, um, the, the better off the offense is going to be. But I do think it was a, a really good first game because it, right from the get-go, right out of the gates, that statement's been made. I feel like that statement's been made because he made the one play and Drew Brees underthrew a couple more that could have really hurt the Falcons. And so the Bucks are paying attention to that. Um, and, you know, the Bucks were beat over the top by the Saints pretty badly last year in both games uh, with Joe Morgan. So – uh, they're going to be paying attention to it I think I think it'll make an impact in the second week
5: and then and then once they're focusing on Kenny Stills and keeping their other eye on the whole jimmy Graham Marcus Colston situation uh that's when the Saints will hit them with Nick Toon.
2: not if they keep going not if they keep going with the uh with the the three active tight ends,
5: yeah, well, <laughs> no, that's true. Well, Andy Tanner gets the short end of that stick, but uh no, I mean, but seriously, we 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 saw little to nothing of Nick Toon, uh, yesterday, and um, <clears throat> or Sunday, and uh, I think if if Kenny Stills is going to get attention, then that really just frees up Nick Toon. and uh, I think Nick Toon is just as capable of being a playmaker, just just as Kenny Stills. In fact, before the season started, I probably would have put Nick Toon at number three on the depth chart ahead of Kenny Stills. Um, Now I don't know. It seems like the Saints definitely like Stills better. But, um, you know, let's not forget about Toon.
2: Yeah. Kevin, if I said to you the over-under on touchdowns that Andy Tanner will catch in the 2013 season is a half of a touchdown, do you go over or do you go under?
0: Over. Easy. I would take. I would take over. If you, I mean, shit. If if the if the mark is half on everybody, shit. I'll take. I'll take the over on half for Robert Meacham. I'll take the over on half for Ben Watson. I mean, you could put it at one and a half, and I'd probably take the the over uh, on on anybody.
5: One and, one and a half would make it a lot more interesting.
0: I mean, I mean, fuck, man. Look, Mike Carney scored, and oh, I, I,
2: I forgot about that. Yeah. well <laughs> –
0: Mike Carney scored four in a game once. Jed Collins has has, has had games where where, where Sean bitches. Payton's like, where Sean Payton's like, fuck it, we're going Jedediah here,
6: bitches,
0: <laughs> bitches, exactly. And and then and then, and then you, you can hear Wang's pants ripping.
2: Um, so you're saying Andy Tanner's like the victory cigar, basically. You break him out when you want to pile it on, and you're like we're getting andy we're getting Andy Andy Tanner a touchdown, and you think the Saints will dump dump truck about three teams, so the over under should really be like one and a half, you're saying, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah Ralph, yes,
2: so Dave, as yeah. we sort of wrap up Atlanta and move to Tampa. Um how much <clears throat> leash does your boy Mark Ingram have left?
5: Yes. I'm so glad we're talking about this. Uh yeah, I don't I don't fucking know. Um Come on, stick to your guns. He's your boy. Uh yeah, I know. But I, You're my boy, Blue! <laughs> you're my boy, Mark. But uh no, he's kinda disappointing me. Um <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I um I, I don't know. You know what I, I Unfortunately for some reason my recording of the game gets cut off like right at the very end of the third quarter. But I did look at his first six, I think, or seven runs. And uh it's as Kevin likes to say, as far as why he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing, I would say it's a little bit of, bit of column A, which is just that he straight up sucks, and a little bit of column B, which is the O line kind of just straight up sucks. I mean, there were you know he had 9 runs one of them was for 7 yards so that one's good so we don't need to analyze that so that leaves 8 runs left the other one was the fourth down play which he had he had absolutely no chance i mean when you look at that replay i mean when you freeze it at the point where he he's receiving the handoff the falcons defensive line is 2 yards beyond the line of scrimmage they have completely pushed those guys almost into his face i mean he had no chance on that one really you know people are saying i don't know why he runs outside well because the whole middle is fucking clogged up and he's got nowhere else to go but then there are other runs where he does have a lane and he does have a hole and he trips over his two fucking own feet so it's difficult to there are points that you can make that that and i'm thinking i may write about this if i have time but i mean there are there are plays that you can point to that says look it's what do you want him to do he's got nothing but then there are also plays that you can point to where he's his own worst enemy so it's 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 tough because there was a lot
6: there was a lot of reggie bushing going on
5: yeah i oh man i guess you could compare it to that i guess you could well i don't know it's just it's just tough but i mean honestly there and There was another play where he really had his his lane was completely blocked. The defensive line threw a stunt in there, and I think Jari Evans just never picked it up. Uh, And I I didn't think that that was fair. Um, You know, so it's it's tough, and I'm I'm missing two plays because the recording got cut off. But so from what I've seen, it's it's just a little bit of both, and and unfortunately, I think I think what separates Pierre Thomas is that. He makes the most out of every opportunity that he gets. So, I mean, Pierre Thomas does not run for five yards every time he touches the ball. I mean, he does have his one yard, two yards, sometimes negative lost plays. He's gone, he's been the back on fourth down and not made it before. See, uh, Super
2: Bowl. Right. No, that was Bell, right? Or was no, that well,
5: Pierre? He, he, he's done it Whatever. before. I, I, I know that he has. And, I mean, but the thing is, is when the offensive line does block for him he is not falling over his own two feet. Uh, you know, he's, he's hitting the right lanes and hitting the right holes, and he's making guys miss and not falling down on the first tackle. So, and that's, that's what Ingram is just not doing. He's not making the most out of his opportunities. And I guess I could see why fans would be upset, because you would expect a first-round draft pick to be doing that, especially when you have an undrafted free agent who is doing that right next to you.
0: Older than you, too.
5: Older than you. And,
0: and well, actually, and and you, you've, you've you you have neg- on. I give you props for coming clean on all this, um, but you have neglected one key thing <laughs> about Pierre Thomas, all these things that he does.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: And do you know why he he's able to do all those things he does? Why? Because he plays for keeps. <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally threw that. the phone in front of my mouth just to sh- just to shout that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I must have been doing that six or seven times at the bar and really frightening people around me. Andrew, here's 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 my hypothetical
2: to you. Sean Sean Payton's in the he's in the room with the offensive coaches, the running back coach, and and as the head coach of the Saints, he says, "Look, Mark Ingram, we're, do- we're he's done. We're we're cutting his carries out. So when 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 they make that decision that they're not necessarily going to get rid of Mark Ingram this year, but he, his carries are going to be reduced to none. When they make that decision, is the next thing they talk about is – do they say we're increasing Pierre Thomas, we're, we're increasing Sproles, or do they say we're going to Cadet, we're going to Robinson? How do they – if they phase out Mark
6: Ingram, where do they go? Well, I just don't think – Sproles getting extra reps is out of the question. I mean, he, he's going to catch five to ten balls a game. And, you know, I, I mean, f- any more than five carries for him is just uh, a losing proposition and, and not smart for his durability. So uh, that that's out of the question as far as and I'm concerned. Damn, he's good. I know he's, he is. He's, he, he's damn good. Um, God, I, um, I just love him so much. <laughs> he's so cute <laughs> and tiny out there. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, but, um, no, Pierre Thomas, Um, I, I could see him. Maybe increasing his uh, his work workload by twenty thirty percent, but we talked about this in the post game. I, I'm not entirely comfortable seeing him get more than ten to twelve to thirteen carries because I want him for sixteen games. I don't want him for eight games and then he's out for five weeks and then and then he comes back compromised. I don't. I want him for sixteen games. So, um, but the one thing Ralph is, I don't want to, the Saints to be in a position like they were last year where Chris Ivory sat on the bench for eight weeks, and he comes back week nine, and he's kind of playing, but then Mark Ingram starts to pick it up. And, uh, you know, so they're both playing, and there's kind of this weird thing where it's like no one's really sure who's going to play, who's going to do what. But I I really want Mark Ingram to have a short leash this year. I mean, they they can't go six, seven, eight weeks with him playing like this. And the guy that needs to be activated is Kyrie. I mean, he had a absolutely fantastic preseason. He's shown he can do it. The big question with him is ball security. But if he can hang on to the football, I think he will make an impact. And honestly, I think he would have had a better game with the same carries than Mark Ingram did last week. This past Sunday. All right.
2: Kevin, the Saints are 1-0 and in first place all by their lonesome. They undefeated. Go to undefeated. They go to Tampa. Um, we won't be relinquishing that either. At 3 o'clock. Nice. And – it, it's becoming it's becoming more and more apparent that Greg Schiano is a douchebag college coach. Yes, quite. Um, so give me your keys to the Tampa game and a prediction.
0: <laughs> I like you like that? Uh, yeah, Kevin. Let's get your hardened analysis on a team on a team you haven't really thought about yet cuz you're still too busy basking in the glow of the Atlanta win. Whatever, I saw
2: five minutes of highlights of Tampa and the Jets. I'm an expert, motherfucker. Well, here's
0: here's the th- okay. You may not be an expert, but here's the thing: you have over me, you have cable. <laughs> I have no cable. I am a I am living. I I mean shit. I, I I'm practically a fucking Spartan in comparison to you guys. Um, yeah, but you have Yahoo Fantasy. Yeah, I'm also not in any fantasy leagues this year. Good God. I'm pretty much I'm, – look, I'm pretty much a terrible excuse right now. All right, just mix in some wrestling terms for the Bucks. Okay, look. And give us a so score. Basically, what Sean Payton needs to do is he needs to tell Darren Sproles, we need you to do a couple of planches on, <laughs> on their linebackers. PT needs to actually do a couple of pile drivers. Mark Ingram needs to Ooh. not get jobbed out at the line. And uh Drew Brees needs to hit If if Drew Brees doesn't underthrow Kenny Stills in this game, it'll be like hitting a four fifty splash uh <laughs> on the defense on that on that secondary of theirs. And Josh Freeman, Josh Freeman could be uh could be getting put through a table by the end of this thing by the fan base <laughs> there in Tampa because he has not been he, he has not been living up to the hype. You give me a score? Uh, I'm gonna say power bomb to <laughs> wouldn't that be great if I just tried to like spell that out like a sc- like it was fucking Egyptian yeah, uh, hieroglyphics? That would be. Um Fuck, let's see. God damn. I'm gonna go 27 <laughs> 27 to seventeen. no way. No way! What? All, right, all right, Dave. Well then, you're up That's next. So, too low. You... all right, Dave. What you... top forty hit are you gonna sing? <laughs> 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 Confidence, baby.
5: <clears throat> uh, um. Uh, well, first, I mean, as far as the score is concerned, I think the offense uh, is gonna have a little bit more of a field day uh, with Tampa Bay. I think they're going to get back in the shape here. So I'll give them 35 points and I'll I'll keep I'll agree with you on the defense 17 points. So uh 35 to 17
6: would be my score I guess.
2: All right Andrew, you go.
6: I mean, I I think this is going to be a closer game. You guys think and I, the reason I think that is this is do or die for Tampa. I mean, I I real literally already think it's do or die. They if lost to in a- week 3. They they faced a horrendous Jets team. Lost to the Jets. The, the Jets did not play a good game. They oh lost. my God, no, they the did Jets. Not. That that was a poor loss. I mean, you saw what happened last year. They they imploded at the end of the season, including a bagel against uh, the worst defense in NFL history on um, route to a 41 nothing loss. So this offense is a mess. That team is a mess. Their confidence is low. If they lose at home a divisional game to drop to 0-2, I, I just don't see that team climbing out. of I just don't think they have the backbone, um, and I don't think they have the coaching, and I don't think they have the talent. So um, th- th- I really think Tampa is going to play like this is a do-or-die game, and so I think it's going to be r- tough – I could see I could see them tripping up the Saints. The Saints are high, coming off of a Atlanta win, and, and weird shit happens in the division. So I'm not taking this one for granted, but I'm gonna say the Saints eke it out, 28-27. Uh, I'm
2: gonna say Tampa, 24 to 21. I don't trust this. I don't trust this Saints offensive line just yet, and I think. Playing at home and still struggling a little bit against Atlanta, I think Tampa's front seven is better than Atlanta's. Yeah. I think this I, this offensive line has got to show it to me on the road. I still think Tampa's got the potential to be pretty good. So I'm going to say Tampa 24-21. And, this uh, this
6: kind of feels like the kind of game where Breeze is, could have those couple awful interceptions too. Oh, stop.
2: So we'll see. I mean, uh, <laughs> so – Dave, what do you have for the peoples at Canal Street Chronicle this week?
5: Uh, prediction results going up tomorrow. Um, I think Wynn Ellington has like a little love letter to Garrett Hartley. Um, obviously, what, about, what
6: about Uptown Murph? What is he writing about?
5: <laughs> I don't know. I have not followed He's him. He's doing
2: maybe. a 55-picture slideshow <laughs> of the worst defensive tackles in Saints history. I mean, I, I have a, a – a bunch
5: of guys who told me what they wanted to do so we'll see if they uh get it together and and, and put it out there uh, but uh i don't know I, I may do a little something on mark ingram myself tonight if i have time um <laughs> basically just rehash what i what i said earlier on this podcast and of course we'll have this podcast
2: yeah and we will and andrew has his offensive grades up and and andrew you have you'll have the defensive upgrades up right tomorrow they're, they're, already up. they're already up they're already up and that must have been fun to do so go to go to Saints Nation, go to Canal Street Chronicles, um, and uh, hopefully the Saints will be 2-0. And uh, Dave will be singing some glorious uh, top 40 song for us next
6: week. So for Dave I, I and Captain, kept... Gangnam gang Style, Gangnam yeah. Style.
2: For all the boys, I'm Ralph Walbro. Uh, until next week, be safe. Powerbomb.